It's not playing with Lex and Dan. I'm Dan. I'm Lex. Great to meet you, Lex. Nice to talk to you, Dan. Do you come here often? That's a little forward. Well. I I don't know how, I mean, if I came here often, would we just be starting this podcast for the first time? Because that seems really, really strange. That's right. This is the very first episode of Not Playing with Lex and Dan. What is this crazy show, I am Dan? so glad that you asked because I've been dying to tell somebody. Not Playing with Lex and Dan, which uh, some people might know grew out of, let's call it a meme. I don't, I don't know if it quite got elevated to that status, but it was the, the well-known fact that you, Lex, have not seen many, many movies that, have met, that most people have seen, especially from sort of a, the formative years of, the, of your youth, the 1980s. Right, and I, I believe that uh, Jason Snell's podcast, The Incomparable, uh, was partially to blame for my getting identified as someone who hasn't seen many movies. Can we consider this, is this like a spinoff of The Incomparable? Are we the Rhoda? As long as we don't owe Jason any royalties, yes. I'm totally cool with not paying him, even if we do. He'll never hear okay. this. No. Now, now the, the corollary to this is the lesser known fact that though I seem very well versed in movies, I too have many, many gaps in my movie knowledge, especially also from the 1980s, because... Shocking. I know, it's it, this is the kind of thing that you usually have to go to, like, National Enquirer for, but I'm just laying it out. Um, so, I think we, we, are of a, we are of a similar age. Uh, we are. And so, I think we probably had a similar experience in that a lot of the movies that came out during the 1980s were not suitable for us at that age. And thus, you know, it was more like, which ones did we go back and watch later? And I think what's also interesting that we seem to have a very, uh, I don't know if it's complimentary is quite the right word, but uh, to a certain extent, complimentary gaps in our knowledge, which is to say, I went back and rewatched a lot of sort of the seminal sci-fi movies, adventure movies, that kind of stuff, where you seem to have instead mostly focused on things like comedies. Right. Does that seem I fair? I think that's right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we made lists of uh, all the movies well, we, we came up with movies that we think are, are popular, that people would be surprised to hear we haven't seen. And we made one list of movies I haven't seen, one list of movies you haven't seen, and then a, a surprisingly long list of movies <laughs> neither of us have seen. And uh, so that's, that's why not playing exists, Dan. It's, it's to help us. It's to help right. us gain literacy. And it's not just helping us. It's helping society at large. Society wants us to appreciate its pop culture references to your uh, RoboCops, your flash dances, your aliens. And we can't get those references right now because we've not seen the films so, in question. So you might say good for, good for you, good for me, good for America. That's right. I would say that. Uh, and speaking of good for America, well, this really has nothing to do with good for America, but speaking of movies that neither of us has seen, we thought it only appropriate to start our first episode with a movie that neither of us have ever watched. And that movie... Uh, is the seminal classic from uh, 19... We assume. I mean, we're assuming it's a I've been classic. told um, from 1984, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Now, you said... I think you can get from Good for America to Beverly Hills Cop. So you get Good for America, America as in Coming to America, a hilarious movie starring Eddie Murphy, who also stars in Beverly Hills Cop. I would so. have shortcut it for just like Beverly Hills in America. 
So good for America. <laughs> there you go. So here's what I know about Beverly Hills Cop. I know that's pretty much the extent of my Beverly Hills Cop knowledge. Well, I don't think that's fair. I mean, I think you would probably know at least who's in Beverly Hills Cop, right? Uh, I know that Eddie Murphy is in it. Okay. We're not. I do <laughs> not know anyone else. <laughs> We're, we're we're unclear as to whether or not he is the Beverly Hills cop. <laughs> right. I don't know if it's like, uh, you know, the Nutty Professor thing where he plays 17 different characters. <laughs> is he the cop and the robber? I don't know. So uh, I know a little bit more than you. I, I know that Beverly, I know that, that Eddie, Murphy, Eddie Murphy is in it. Um, I know that he comes from Detroit because oh. I, there was a, there was a briefly, there was a pilot for a TV show in this most recent season, a Beverly Hills cop TV show that so, focused on his son was also coming from detroit i also know that judge reinhold is in it i know that he's he not is, he's, he's not, not a, judge. a judge he's not actually okay. a judge i know that and i believe oh a uh, bronson pinchot from uh perfect strangers who played balky plays yes. some part i don't really know what i feel like something something effeminate is what i recall <laughs> Uh, whenever i hear bronson pinchot's name i always want to create some weird hybrid that's uh pierce bronson pinchot like Pierce Brosnan, I know. If, I think it, that'd be cool. He would have been the next James Bond. Yeah. Now you're just going to be thinking about Bronson Pinchot playing James Bond, which let me tell you, it's, it's a very different series of movies. Um, well, so I, I should say I also know that that song is called Axel F. Indeed, um, indeed, and the main character Eddie Murphy plays is Axel Foley. Right. Um, and I know that, and this is entirely based on an episode of the Clerks animated series I saw. But I know that there's some sort of gag where they put bananas in people's tailpipes. <laughs> Is that a euphemism, or do you literally mean? I'm talking literally. Apparently, okay. that's not good for it. It's probably not as bad as sugar in the gas tank, but it's that's sugar like sugar in the gas tank sounds like an '80s disco. Band. <laughs> I just think that you're, you're, it's like part of a complete breakfast. There's sugar in the gas tank, a banana in the tailpipe, and there's like someone just pours milk on I'm your hood. I don't really know what happens. Part of this complete nutritious breakfast. Well, I, listen, we've waited long enough, Dan. It's time. Shall we pull the trigger? We should watch Beverly Hills Cop. All right, let's uh, sync it up and get going. All right, so I've got this paused on Netflix, and I've got it at zero, zero, zero. All right, that sounds like the right time to do it. Um, I'm backed up as well, and we're going to hit play in three, two, one. A surprising amount of ass talk in that movie. Was that just like one of the swears you could easily get away with in in the 1980s? I, it seems like there's a lot of, I don't know. Do, do you ever think that movies in the 1980s were just like edgier in some ways than they are now? It was a different kind of edginess. There was something, but there's a quality to it. You know what I mean? I feel like today, the, the modern movies, the edginess is, well, in modern comedies, it's like how far can we push the envelope? Like how borderline offensive can we be? And here, the offensiveness, like in the '80s, feels like it was it was different. It was just about you well, know. It was more like it was trying to find its place, right? Like right. it's it's still the lines drawn in a different place. Whereas now, so much of the trans- transgressive stuff is like we have to take it to extremes, right? You know, you can't just show somebody getting shot. You have to show like the grisly details of what gets shot or body parts <laughs> getting scattered here and there. like it's got to be. Part of that is the technology in that, like, the special effects are better and people are just much more inured to this sort of thing, right? Like, we all see this all the time in your 24-hour news with brutality and all this crap. So it's it's somewhat kind of – it's kind of refreshing 
to see a movie where it's like ass talk is like like that's going over the line there. Right. Well, I mean, I think it is rated R. They had their fair share of f bombs, but it's just a surprising. It wasn't just that they said the word ass. It was that they were really explicitly talking about each other's asses more often than I would have expected. Well, I did not know that Beverly Hills Cop was such an ass-centric film. It was originally titled Ass Hill Cop. <laughs> Beverly Hills Ass. Beverly Hills Ass. It's about a uh, it's about a donkey played yeah. by Eddie Murphy. Wait a second. Is it <laughs> possible this movie. is a crossover with Shrek? So the thing, see, you knew going in that he wasn't actually from Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, like a fish out of water thing, right? But what I don't know definitively is which who who is the star of the movie? Do Do you think it's Judge Reinhold? Well, I'm saying because is could you ever rightfully call Axel Foley a Beverly Hills cop? He is a cop in Beverly Hills. I don't know that that makes him a Beverly Hills cop. Well, I mean, I think that's a question probably best addressed by the sequels, Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Beverly Hills Cop 3. Do those star Judge Reinhold with Eddie in a supporting role? That's my question. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, I do believe Judge Reinhold comes back in both of them. This apparently movie, and now I'm, and now I'm sort of cribbing from, from Wikipedia here, but th- this was apparently hugely popular as, as a movie, um, particularly Eddie Murphy, apparently. Uh, which is, I mean, and, and this was kind of Eddie Murphy's heyday too, right? Like, you know, he was probably coming off, I don't remember what years he was on SNL, but like this is probably shortly thereafter is my impression. Right. I can't imagine he lands a movie without having already done SNL. So right. I thought he, I thought he was first. late 70s, early 80s in, on SNL. So, you know, he's got a shtick, right? And like he's kind of playing that up and it works, I think. I mean, it's weird I can't figure out. Is he like seem totally miscast as a cop to you? It's the you genre know, thing. Yes, I, it, it, I don't think that he feels entirely miscast. I can sort of believe it that he. I mean, I, I accept him as a cop. I think where it feels that what feels off to me is that you know Eddie Murphy uh, started did a long run of comedies where he played Eddie Murphy based characters, and this one feels like it's. It feels forced. It doesn't feel quite like he ever gets truly. I mean, when he laughs, it feels like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> but for the a lot of the time, it feels like it's either that the, that the Eddie Murphy character is not really nicely fitting into the cop role, which is maybe the same thing as what you're saying. It just it feels it feels like two different things. Like there could either be a policeman in this role, or there could be Eddie Murphy in this role, and we sort of get a little bit of both and not enough of either. Right, and I think that's part of the the issue with it being sort of an action comedy, right? It's straddling that line of, well, you've got some... I mean, like, early on, there's that scene where his buddy gets shot in the head, which seems surprisingly brutal for, you know, a comedy, right? Like, he gets basically executed, <laughs> gangster right. style. And so it, it's it's kind of shocking, um, And but it gives, you know, that's there to give Foley that impetus to go off to Beverly Hills, right, and track down his friend's killer. Um, so right. I, I guess, you know, it makes sense there, but it is a little bit darker, uh, than I would have expected from, from a light comedy film. And I'm going to be honest, a, a little bit darker. I 100% agree with. I also found it, I feel bad saying this cause I know a lot of people really feel strongly about this movie or have good memories of this movie. I thought it was a little less funny than I might've expected. Well, I, do you think that's a, because of the time? I mean, we're watching it, you know, 30 years later. You know, <laughs> there's a well, lot I mean, of movies that's enough that don't time for the punchlines to land. <laughs> there's quite a wind up on those punchlines. Well, right. I mean, you know, 
Is it possible that 30 years later, this starts to look more like the Eddie Murphy movies that he's made in the last 10 years? Right. I mean, it's possible that this is, you know, the, um, this is when some of these, uh, I can't think of the term. This is, like, this is when some of the, the tropes were being laid down. Like, this is patient zero of this kind of comedy. And now I've seen so many uh, impersonations of it, so, so many deviations from it that now I don't appreciate the original but i would have at the time i guess it's just i thought it was funny i mean i really i thought that damon waynes gave a compelling performance as banana man um i thought that eddie murphy did his thing well um at times but i just i it didn't i don't know it felt like there were going to be more jokes per minute i guess and it's not gag heavy right like it's you know a lot of it is because it's based so heavily on his own personal shtick you know it's it's there's a lot of you know there's some race-based humor there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like the fast talking humor right but not it's not heavy on the gags so yeah i don't know it's 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 a very different the pacing's kind of different too right right you know it's 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 paced a little bit slowly i think because what i think of when i think of eddie murphy comedies that i am familiar with is things like (laughs) uh coming to america have you you haven't seen that one? Have you? I don't think so. Or at least I've, I might have seen part of it. That that I mean that, that's a very funny movie that I think holds up. Uh, the Nutty Professor, which I watched way too much in high school. Uh, Boomerang, the Steve Martin written movie. Like I think of those, and those are very, uh, very funny Eddie Murphy movies to me, where there's just a ton of jokes. And I thought I thought this was going to be one of those, only with explosions and shooting. And it was really it was. I think it was not quite I, clearly it's a comedy, but it was like it was a it was a comedy in the sense of it wasn't a tragedy. It wasn't a comedy in the sense of there's a lot of jokes. Well, there's there's a happy ending is what you're saying. Yeah. Did you expect quite this much um, neutron dance? <laughs> Were you expecting more? Were you expecting less? I, I uh, knowing what I know now, I would say that it didn't have enough neutron dance. But I can't say I was expecting any. I was not familiar with the Neutron Dance uh, until seeing the movie. Well, I think you were missing out. Clearly, apparently it was a hit. It was the Pointer Sisters. It was at the top a top ten hit in 1985. I learned from Wikipedia, uh, thanks in part to being yeah. prominently Spe- featured. Speaking of Wikipedia, I have to read this sentence because I feel like something has been misquoted in here, or somebody is trolling. Quote, it also became the highest grossing R-rated comedy film, a title it would hold until The Matrix Reloaded in 2003. <laughs> Little, a li- yeah, I don't really know what's happening there. Um, this shows you can't trust Wikipedia for everything. Uh, but apparently it did very, very well. It also says that it was the second highest grossing film in 1984 behind Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I saw that one in late 2012. You just caught up. You know, I will tell you, surprising casting thing to me was well first I when you see Paul Reiser in the credits you expect he's going to have a bigger role so that was surprising me that he didn't uh it was very exciting to me to see uh now I have to remember the actor's name hang on oh Jonathan Banks Jonathan Banks had a small role and he is uh, on Breaking Bad as uh oh he's the guy with the, the dead eyes guy. right yes he's like evil and bald-headed and he's he's I mean he, to say he's evil is only if you're rooting for the star of the show, the bad guy. So he's at least the the, the nemesis, and he's I mean a very different character. And uh, as as you pointed out during the the watching, anybody who played 
uh, a police boss in this movie, besides referring frequently to Eddie Murphy's ass, uh, also wore a vest. So apparently vests, a the symbol Vests of were in, in the 1984. Um, if you were, you know, in if the If you were right in command, class. right, sure, right. sure. You got you to gotta be in a certain position of authority. I think that's important. Also important to note, um, apparently this movie was nominated for a Oscar for its original screenplay. Wow. And see... Yeah, I... It must have been great for its time, is what I'm thinking. Like, I think that it really must have been a trope inventor. And so now we've seen so many derivatives of the not quite buddy cop and not quite fish out of water. I want to know what won this year. Places in the Heart, which I don't also really don't know. It's a Sally Field movie. Looks like a tearjerker. Oh, yeah. It's a 1984 drama film that tells the story of a Texas widow who tries to keep her farm together with the help of a blind white man and a black man during the Great Depression. <laughs> it's almost almost hard to believe that that actually beat Does out. Does Eddie Murphy play the black man? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Okay. Uh, but I that would have think... been some inspired casting there. Well, speaking of inspired casting, when you read this Beverly Hills Cop Wikipedia page, it turns out that the role of Axel Foley was first offered to Mickey Rourke. Uh, and then that was his first. Left. That was his first time around being famous, right? Yeah. Then it was offered to Sylvester Stallone. I would have watched that movie. That would have been hilarious. Uh, I can't. I don't think I've ever seen any movie that he stars in. No, I saw the one that he starred in with uh, Sharon Stone. Wow, Jesus! What what but movie that's is it. that? Uh, it's I don't know. Sharon Stone, Sylvester Stallone. You can edit this part out. The Specialist. The Specialist. Jeez. It's a terrible movie. Okay, it doesn't sound very good. Good love scenes. Terrible movie. Um, but so, uh, but so the, after Stallone, and, uh, this is according now to Eddie Murphy himself, he told James Lipton on Inside the Actor Studio that Stallone wanted a harder-edged screenplay. So he, uh, Stallone leaves, rewrites what he wanted Beverly Hills Cop to be as the movie Cobra, which I've never seen or even either. heard of. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. And well, listen. Besides Stallone and Rourke, other actors who were considered for the role of Axel Foley included Richard Pryor, okay. Al Pacino, <laughs> and James Caan. Those are three very different movies, as far as I'm concerned. Well, plus Stallone and Mickey Rourke. That's a lot of different movies, right there. Yeah. And apparently, uh, um, Billy, Judge Reinhold, was gonna was gonna be axed halfway through the movie, but they decided it was too expensive to kill him because they were gonna <laughs> actually kill Judge Reinhold. It's just it's too pricey. <laughs> Type the insurance. Call it. The insurance is just too much. Wow. So, uh, do you feel now that you have seen Beverly Hills Cop, has this enriched your knowledge of pop culture? Has this has this? Did you feel more complete than you did before? I will say this: I am glad to have seen it. I, I think the only real gap that was filled. To me, I didn't feel like there were choice lines that people have quoted a lot. That I'm like, oh, now I get it. But I do think that it's possible I have missed people making reference to uh, the banana tailpipe gag and not knowing what the source for that whole thing was. And now I know that. But I, I have to tell you, since this is the first one we've watched, I'm very uh, hopeful and maybe a, a nervous that this won't be the case. But I'm hopeful that some of these other movies won't feel like a letdown. Like I didn't feel like this was a disappointment; that it was a bad movie. I didn't feel like it was a great movie. And I want to be, I want to be awed and inspired by the movies we watch for the first time. I hear that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of buildup for some of these things, so you kind of want to feel like uh, it's something that stands the test of time. And maybe, maybe Beverly Hills Cop doesn't stand the test of time. I mean, you know, again, I agree with you. It's not. 
It's not a bad movie, it, right. but I wouldn't necessarily. Apparently, one of the things I was reading is that it got cited at some point as like number three on the list of twenty-five or the best comedies of the last twenty-five years. And I was like, wow. eh, I don't know. There's better movies than this. So tell me this: what was one of your uh, what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene in in Beverly Hills Cop. Um, yeah. I think I would have to go with the scene where he, uh, probably against every regulation in the police officer's handbook, talks the hotel into giving him essentially a free room by saying that he's writing an article about Michael Jackson. <laughs> For Rolling Stone yeah, magazine. Yeah, and then, and then, of course, you know, goes into his standard sort of Eddie Murphy shtick. Um, I, I don't, it was funny. Um, it seemed like that, that's a scene playing to Eddie Murphy's strengths, and he pulled it off well. Well, the only thing that's unfortunate is that I asked you first because I was going to give the same answer. <laughs> it's possible that that might be the best scene in the movie. It was pretty good. I liked the. Um, I, I also I liked the the whole joke behind his sending the, the room service to the, the oh, squad yeah. car yeah. that was te- sent to follow him. But the, I thought the funny scene was when Eddie Murphy just got to let loose as a while as a. Totally put upon reporter who is shocked that he can't get a room faster. I like that. Well, that's good. Um, I'm glad we have concluded our first episode. Uh, Shall we talk a little bit about what we're going to watch next time? Well, so next time, we're going to watch a movie that only I have not seen. And you have seen this one. Indeed. And we're going to build a little bit on this. This is one of those very early action comedy movies, but I think we both agree tends more to the comedy than the action. Right. So this next time, I think we'll we'll shift it up a little bit. We're going to watch an action comedy movie that's a little bit weighted more towards the action part of the equation. Okay. And that movie will be the 1988 film Die Hard with Bruce Willis. I have never seen any of the Die Hards, and uh, I'm excited to watch it. And if I'm going to watch it for the first time, I think it should be with you. And if I'm going to watch it for the 17th time, I'm glad <laughs> it's with you or somebody very much like you. Well, Dan, it's been fun to not play with you. <laughs> well, we definitely need a better outro line, so if you've got any ideas, send them in. Uh, right. Lex, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Let's do this again real soon. I look forward to it. Do 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 do. <laughs>